What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson, joined with our guests, our analysts, all other things. Got my guy Thomas Hemingway back on. Thomas, what's going on with you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been a minute. I'm glad to be back on, though. Y'all, full disclosure, me and Thomas just chopped up for about 45 minutes before the podcast got started. <laughs> Zoom tried to tell us that uh, they was about to lock us out, so we had to run it back. But, hey, we're in the building. It's good to be back. Uh, without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Cause we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home, tell me where you've been. Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in, and you know where I live. Yeah, you know what we is. Sometimes you gotta stay in. Welcome to my baby. Well, Thomas is been a little while me and Thomas were talking beforehand it was just like there's been so much been kind of building up I didn't want to kind of drop an episode uh when it was like okay there's this fact all right we're off again it's like I kind of wanted to let it build up training camps right around the corner a lot of stuff been happening in the college football world so we're gonna go ahead and uh, jump right to it so Thomas I know you saw it just like I did uh they got that welcome home South Carolina football show that's gonna come up on ESPNU and it looks like it's going to be shown like training, not training camp. What do they call it? Preseason camp? What do they call it in college? Yeah, fall camp. Fall camp, camp. preseason camp. Yeah. yeah they're, so they're going to be airing the fall camp to kind of show behind the scenes. And it seems like ESPNU kind of does this with a couple of schools or SEC network uh, every year, just kind of trying to get the fans something to see. And, you know, they got to fill those spots up too. Uh, what did you think whenever – did you expect – when Spencer Rattler decided to come to USC for something like this to happen, or what, what was your kind of your expectation? Uh, I ain't gonna lie, I didn't. Um, I mean, I understood how how big of a um, you know player or prospect Spencer Rattler was, and, and South Carolina really had a, a player of that caliber at the quarterback position. I'll say we done had you know five star recruits in the past, but you know as being like that face of the team, we ain't really had that before. Yeah. But I figured, you know, he come to South Carolina, you know, it's like we still South Carolina, you know, not too many people go care. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's good to see them, you know, that the cameras are, are following with them uh, to Columbia. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. The one thing I kept, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is great for Spencer because this gives him a chance to kind of rebuild his image from that QB1. Because I think it maybe even him, maybe that's just how he is or how he was, because he was younger whenever that QB1 was uh, first filmed. But it was just kind of doing his thing. And it's like, but you don't realize how bad of an impression that kind of leaves on people, especially when they don't see you on a day-to-day basis. So maybe they're yeah. joking or whatnot, but to the world, it kind of looks like, ooh. And then, so if you hear any stories out of Oklahoma that kind of follow that up, it's like, oh yeah, that, we saw who Spencer was. So I think this yeah. is gonna be a really good time for him to kind of rebuild that image or what have you. And we'll, and obviously you, you can't be on your best baby because you're on like ESPN. So, and you know that people already have kind of a negative taste in your mouth about you or whatnot. Yeah. But uh, big year for the game, coach, what you expecting this year? Um, Like you said, I'm, I'm expecting a big year. Um. I mean, I don't know. We it's it's kind of a lot of pressure riding on us, um, yeah. just because you know we we kind of had a strong finish last year with that uh, bowl game win over North Carolina, and just with um, 
all the stuff you see on social media and, and you know, the press conferences that Shane Beamer's been having, he's just, um, you know, uh, really giving the fans a lot of hope and, and you know, kind of uh, hyping us up a lot this year. So um, I definitely, you know, I, I see Carolinas on a, on a lot of people's radar as far as, you know, um, you know, teams that are, are slated to do well this year. Um, so like I said, it's, it's a lot of pressure on us for sure. Um, I mean, having a, a, a five-star quarterback or, or, you know, a guy of a caliber like Spencer Rattler can definitely turn your, you know, your whole team around, especially if he comes here, you know, with his head on straight, like you said, and it's kind of grown and mature since, you know, his earlier days at Oklahoma. So um, I'm excited, man. We got a lot of we got, you know, we got a lot of um, important players returning, you know, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. So it's good to have experience at a lot of those positions. So I think we can for sure make a run at it. Um, I mean, you know, we always got tough competition in, in the SECs with Florida and Georgia, um, especially with Georgia coming off, you know, national championship this year. So it's going to be tough, but I mean, it's, you know, to, to be the best, you got to beat the best. So those are the type of games you got to play, you know, if you want to be up there with them. So. Absolutely. And even the emergence of like the Kentuckys and like last year, Arkansas. So it's yep. like even some of the guys in the SEC used to be like, okay, I think we got a win right there. You know, there's no easy win for Stoops out there. I think that's Stoops, right? That's Stoops, brother. And, yeah, uh, out there in Kentucky. Out there in Kentucky. Yeah. So yeah, should be excited. Jaheim Bell kind of finished off the year on a big note like last year too. So I think a lot of people can be excited whether they line them up at like not a running back, but kind of in that spot, tight end, slot mm -hmm. receiver kind of does a lot so expecting a lot and it just in this sec media days kind of crept up on me this year it's so all like yeah. oh shit. <laughs> I, I know someone had to give me a press fast out there though is it montgomery <laughs> is it montgomery or mobile i think uh i uh, i think it's mobile i it's think it's mobile you know it's out there in alabama and i definitely yeah. would say it seems like um it seems like south carolina like the energy is done they've got this job Beamer has done a good job of getting the energy going. The train is rolling. It feels like, okay, something's about to happen. So I'm just hoping they don't disappoint. Yep. I've yep. been South Carolina fans disappointed a long time. Don't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> and so then just for the full details, in case y'all didn't see like the press write-up, uh, the series, the Welcome Home South Carolina football will air starting Wednesday, August 10th, and continue for five straight Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPNU. Um, the fifth and final episode where we'll air the Wednesday following the Gamecock season opener against Georgia State. So you'll get to kind of see it filmed into the season. So like from the meetings, probably some weight room, et cetera, et cetera. And the series will give fans a behind the scenes access to Coach Shane Beamer, the program's assistant coaches, player staff, as they prepare for the season. And so, yeah, so everybody look forward to that. I know when I saw that, I made sure to throw it on a Matt Sports House social uh, was the Instagram because I just feel like a lot of people would enjoy it. Obviously, a lot of people follow that account with the University of South Carolina, friends, family. So <laughs> we're going to keep it moving. <laughs> Got to shout out to friends and the family. I know y'all listening. We're going to keep it moving there. <laughs> Move to the, I was about to say the Pac-12, but it's about to be the Big Ten. UCLA and the University of Southern Cal have designed, decided to join the Big Ten. Uh, their first year will be in 2024. Thomas, what did you think when you first heard the news? Uh, got to be for money purposes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That that's definitely the first thing that came to my mind. But um. Yeah. The next thing that came to my mind was just how is that going to affect recruiting and just kind of the overall, I guess. Uh. You know, I guess you know you could say the overall landscape of college football, but just how is that going to look? You got two West Coast teams playing. You know, 
a bunch of teams from, you know, from that Midwest and kind of, you know, a little bit on the East Coast. Um, it's kind of like two different, you know, totally different brands of football that you're getting, you know, from them two uh, conferences right there, you know, coming from the Pac-12 going over to the Big Ten. Um, but, yeah, you got to wonder how that's going to affect, you know, recruiting, um, you know, telling you guys, you know, you're, you're a school that's in the West, but, you know, we're, we're going to be playing a game at Ohio State or at Michigan in the cold, you know, at Michigan State. So, um, yeah, it's just, you, you know. It it kind of want you know, and it kind of makes you think of uh you know what what else is to come you know is is mega conferences coming you know kind of how people have been talking about uh who else is gonna jump ship and and you know go else to go to another conference so uh it's definitely an interesting move um but it'll be you know more interesting to see how they end up you know competing against those schools who have kind of already established themselves in that conference like a you know Ohio State Michigan you know teams of that nature so. It was funny because when I first saw the news, it was, I was at work, definitely was at work. I was at work and I like saw that and I thought like, you know, there's all those fake Twitter accounts. Say like USC to the Big Ten. I'm like, yeah, could they stop? Like people really confused <laughs> by this information thinking that this is the reality of it. Then I saw the University of Southern Cal had just post like a very like a, a, a picture of the Southern Cal logo with like the, the red SC and it was like, we're moving to the big 10 or something like that. I'm like, whoa, this is for real. And I was wondering, was UCLA going to come? Obviously they did. So I feel like they're almost like a package deal at this point, but I yeah. thought that was major. Uh, a couple of things that really kind of hit me with this is one, football is going to be different because obviously you have UCLA or University of Southern Cal playing against Michigan state. So you might see some snow games. I'm sure those schools, you the California schools aren't used to the snow games. So that's one thing. But more so is the non-football sports. So yeah. like women's basketball and men's basketball, per se. So you mean to tell me you might play Ohio State on Tuesday. Then you got a Wednesday night, you got to go play at UCLA. And that's a long flight. And in the middle of classes and stuff, yeah. you know, hey, I go from Iowa to Iowa State or one else. It's like it's nothing. But you're talking about flying across different time zones and stuff. I was like, yo, this is this is gonna be crazy. As soon as I saw the news, I was like, I need to hear Colin Cowherd because yeah. I feel like he's always been kind of itching at this a little bit or on his show, just throwing little remarks. So I was I was excited to hear his perspective on this. He said one thing you might have though is. You might it might open up the recruiting ground a little bit in the Big Ten, like for them to go get California guys. But like, we will yeah. we're, we're gonna take you back home to play in front of your parents, and then vice versa. It's like if you grew up in Iowa, hey, you won't probably get to go play in California twice a year now. Yeah. And so now you get to go see the UCLA and stuff like that. And I don't know if you've noticed now, granted, we know Caleb Williams is was a highly touted quarterback coming out of high school. But man, oh man, this USC move for him has been like the thing. Now they talk about, hey, he's a Heisman front runner. I'm like, wait a minute, y'all. <laughs> like he had a pretty good year taking Spencer Rattler's job. I think outside the spring game, he had it. They had like a tent for his memorabilia. I saw that. Oh my god. And so, like, this thing has gone to the moon. I granted, I was listening to Jordan Palmer talk the other day. That's Carson Palmer's brother. He um he coaches the quarterbacks, and he was saying that Jordan that. John Caleb Williams had one of the best elite 11 performances. And so he like is a great player and all that too. But I'm just thinking like, yo, this move to California for him has been through the roof. And you saw that they have the Blendercoff award winner. Yeah. Jordan Addison. Yeah. What do you know about Jordan Addison? I mean, 
I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, obviously, I know what I know about him from um, you know last season when he was uh, at Pitt with Kenny Pickett, and I feel like that's kind of how he got on our radar. Was just you know that duo with them two. You know, you had Kenny Pickett kind of Kenny Pickett kind of uh, just taking the college football world by storm a little bit. Um, you know, being in the Heisman race for a little bit with the numbers he was putting up. So that's how he got on my radar last year. Um, but, I mean, Pitt was still kind of an average team, you know, even though they made the ACC championship and all that. So I wasn't too locked in on him. Um, you know, obviously I went and did my research on him, you know, in the offseason a little bit once I saw, you know, he was in that transfer portal, how his news was around him and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see because it's like uh, – he was a Belitnikoff award winner last year, but I see a lot of people don't really think he's the top receiver in the nation okay. um, this year. So it was, it was interesting to me to see all that hype um, that was just surrounding me and kind of, I guess you could call it, you know, a bidding war that was going on between USC and uh can't remember the other school he was, uh, I think it was Texas that um he was talking about going to. So it was interesting to see that. And like I said, a lot of people don't even consider him, you know, uh, the top guy in the nation. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's still a solid receiver overall for sure. That's exactly what like I was kind of getting along saying. It's like for him to have been a Bundokoff award winner, this is probably one of the least well-known Bundokoff award winners. Like usually, I guess maybe you would say if Drake London didn't get hurt last year, at least yeah. we were kind of like, okay, although I don't watch a lot of USC games, I still, I've heard that Drake London name before. Yeah. This guy, I had never really heard of him before I saw, and I watched, as we know, as I told y'all last season, this is a college football show. We don't talk about the NFL, this college football yeah. show. We watched yeah. a decent amount of it, and it's just like his name didn't come up in many conversations. But once again, he goes out to USC. Now that name and his likeness probably going to go through the roof, and people are definitely going to pay attention. Yeah. So crazy. Now, UCLA, it's funny, like we talk all this about University of Southern Cal. <laughs> But it's like now uh, UCLA, there's great for academic reasons. I think that program is building as well. Uh, Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly's head coach UCLA? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty yeah. sure he do. Yeah, Chip Kelly being the head coach of UCLA. So, I, you know, we know he knows how to build a program. I think everybody remembers, or if you don't, we're telling you. That is David <laughs> Oregon getting it back up to par. I don't know if they were up to par beforehand. Was Oregon good before Chip Kelly? Was was Oregon? They weren't. Good? They weren't as good. You know, Chip Kelly was. You know, brought him to the national championship when they played Cam. But yeah, so he he definitely not. He definitely went and and, and turned it around up there. They weren't like garbage before, but you know, like I said, he definitely went there and turned it around. Yeah. So basically, he brought brought them for the rise of promise. Promise. Yep. So hopefully he'll be able to do the same. Because I remember uh, it used to be kind of cool thinking the USC-UCLA game was kind of competitive. It just seems like now, I don't know if it's not competitive, we just don't pay attention to it. But I think yeah. move to the Big Ten, more people pay attention. Yeah, and one thing I heard Colin Cowherd say too, he says apparently the Big Ten is one of the best conferences as far as traveling with their fan bases. Now, we're going to see that put to the test whenever you have to go across the country. But apparently they're really good about traveling with their uh, with the student athletes and whatnot. So that's going to be cool. And then last but not least, he was also talking about with the TV revenue. And you, I think you brought this up early on about the money thing. The TV revenue was so strong and was was well, it was so weak in the Pac-12 because nobody cares about it. Because well, what did you reference it as? Like Pac-12 at what? Yeah, Pac-12 at the dark. <laughs> and that's how everybody thinks of it too. It's like, all right, time Colorado, come on, play time, go to sleep. Oh, it's time something different. So what was happening was USC, really not even UCLA, USC for football watch was carrying the torch kind of by themselves to an extent, maybe a little bit of Oregon. 
depending on who you are. And so mm-hmm. now I think they, they will each make like $30 million more off TV revenue, joining the Big Ten, wherever people care a little bit more, this, that, and the third. So yeah. great to see that. Uh, USC, uh, UCLA. It's funny because I'm planning on going to Arizona because they play – USC plays Arizona this year at Arizona. And so I'm out here mm-hmm. in Arizona. I'm, I'm going to go catch this game before, you know, and it, before they end up leaving the – uh-huh. Before they leave the Pac-12, so they won the last Pac-12 matchups, if you say so. Yeah, yeah. And, and USC, I was about to say, that's a good move because it's – like you said, it brings more, you know, just pub to the university because I feel like, like you said, you know, people don't really watch them, um, you know, at all these days. So I feel like, you know, the, the little bit of, of – you know, cloud, I guess you could say that they had left was just based off of, you know, their name, just them being Southern Cal and, you know, who they used to be. Um, I feel like they, they you know, still kind of riding that way with just being that, um, you know, powerhouse, you know, or historical football program, I guess you could say. So, yeah, moving to the Big Ten will definitely help um, just, just for competitive reasons as well. Yeah, so we're definitely excited to see that as it continues to transpire. Hopefully, they might get a couple Pac-12 championships before they get out of there. I mean, I'm sure Oregon's going to have something to say about that, but that would be kind of cool to, like, leave with the last couple – because, you know, they've been with the Pac-12 since the beginning of time, so to leave yeah. a couple of those rings. And now they have the talent because, you know, they use that transfer portal so heavily. So they got the talent to at least compete out there with Lincoln Riley. So we'll see. And also, I don't know if, I'm assuming most people listen to this on TikTok – Another thing I would advise anybody to do, if you got TikTok and you're interested in college football and stuff, go follow some of the star players in the country when they go on them official visits to USC because they be having them on TikTok and they show like what USC can offer you in like just, you know, the, that quick weekend, like two or three days or so. And it's just kind of a cool thing to watch. Lincoln Riley and his staff kind of put together a cool, a cool visit and only certain places in the country you can do what you can do in California. And so, like, if you're a kid, I don't know, from the South, maybe the Midwest, and you can come while you like that for two to three days, then, man, you know, and then you go probably to the Coliseum. Yeah. Like a walk through, and you think, you know what? Maybe I can make something shake out here. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all we have for that one. Uh, let's move forward. We're going to stay in college football. Just one of the big matchups. Now, clearly, I think first week you got Ohio State. We'll play Notre Dame. That's going to be great. Notre Dame got the new head coach. That one's this is be dope to see the Ohio State, the team after last season, a lot CJ Stroud and company. Like, okay, what are we going to do? Reload our offense. Y'all know we're going to get talking about Ohio State. Not today, but that day will come. <laughs> <laughs> Week two, you got Texas versus Alabama. Uh, when you first saw that matchup, Thomas, what'd you think? Uh, I was excited for it. These are my favorite kind of matchups in, in college football, really. The, to, you know, seeing teams play that that you don't really, you know, get to see match up often. You know, we don't get too many Big 12 SEC matchups, and, you know, unless it's in a bowl game. Um, so, and, you know, like me and Matt were discussing before, you know, it's also going to be a good game because Alabama's got to go, you know, to Texas for it. I was thinking, you know, it was a neutral side game or something like that, which is usually, you know, what you see most of these games come under. But, um, yeah, that's going to be – that's going to be a crazy environment. Um Cause I can remember just I I feel like Texas always has real exciting games like that those good non-conference games I can remember in 2016 I think it was when Notre Dame came there for the season opener yeah and they went into like two overtimes that was a real good game and obviously everybody knows 2019 you know that LSU Texas game um in Austin so I feel like whenever it's a, a night game you know a Texas a non-conference matchup it's always gonna be a good night um but 
yeah, it, it's definitely going to be fun to see just because Texas has had a lot of hype coming into the season just with all the transfer guys they've been getting. Um, and, you know, them having one of the top running backs in the nation, really one of the top offenses in the nation. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to, to see what they do against, um, you know, arguably the, the best team in the nation. And one thing Texas does with these big games, they win them, you start hearing Texas back. As soon as they yeah. win that big game, it's like, oh, okay, we're back. I remember that Notre Dame game. I don't even know if I was watching it, but the highlight of that receiver, he might play for the Packers now. That's yeah, thank Abraham. That's the ball the end zone. I vividly remember that clip. And there's always yeah. a lot of excitement, especially early in the season. Now, Fred, it's kind of be kind of, it's gonna be interesting because you got Steve Sarkeesian, who was the offensive coordinator at uh Alabama. You'll have Jalil Billingsley, the tight end of Alabama that transferred to Texas. Who just for everybody to understand how talented this guy is as a tight end, he returned kicks at Alabama. <laughs> so the tight, in case you don't know, tight ends don't generally return kickoffs. And the no. fact that he did that at Alabama along like Waddle and those guys, and then they asked Nick Saban, why is he returning kicks? Like, he's good at it. Okay, well, <laughs> okay. But anyway, so those guys were going back on and play uh, their former teams. And then Quinn Ewers also would be – I don't know if yeah. he's going to start. I think he's in a quarterback battle right now for that starting position. He was like the number one ranked quarterback coming out last year because he like classified or what have you. But they'll play um, Will Anderson, who has a lot of hype heading into this. He's, he's a junior yeah. Uh, I think he, I think he might be a senior this year because I think he could have left after last season if I'm mistaken. Oh no, I'm saying like Will Anderson Jr. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a junior, my bad. I thought yeah. he was his, his, uh, yeah, his class. Who was, and a lot of people thought he was one of the the best edge edge rusher coming out last season. So he's gonna, you don't get to see him. Obviously, you get to see Bryce Young and the new weapon. So definitely gonna be an exciting game. Expect saving. I expect saving to get it done, but uh. It's, it's going to be a lot, too. But like I said, Steve Sarkeesian just was the offensive coordinator yeah. for this team. And both the Alabama receivers, their two top guys are uh, – you got – why am I – Jameson Williams, who went to the Lions, right? Yeah. Jameson Williams and then, and then John Meachie, who – did you see the news with John Meachie? Yeah, John for Meche. sure, yeah. How do you uh -huh. say Meachie or Meachie? Meachie. Yeah, John Mechie, it was crazy because I was just on Twitter just scrolling down there, like, and Houston texted the report, and apparently he has leukemia. But with, and obviously that's devastating news, obviously prayers up to his family. But I did look at, did see some of the interviews he was doing afterwards because obviously the press kind of wants to release, like, what is a statement? And he said recently he was diagnosed with APL, which is the most curable form of leukemia. So he says, I am currently receiving great medical care and I'm in good spirits, and I expect to make a recovery at a point, at a later point in time. So although you hear that he has cancer, which is, like I said, devastating prayers up to his family, at least we see here that he said it's the most curable form. So obviously, we wish him the best. I am almost 100% sure him and Eric Berry probably be in contact. Yeah. Because remember, Eric Berry was diagnosed with cancer, and then Inky Johnson, them tell that story, how they kind of fought through that and made a, a speedy recovery. So we wish him the best. But like I said, Alabama will be without him and Jamison Williams. So it's literally like, who's up next? Yeah. And speaking of Alabama receivers, we'll talk about former Alabama receivers as we move to the NFL portion of this. Julio Jones to the Buccaneers. Just saw the report came out like yesterday. I was like, wow, if you would have told me in that Super Bowl where the Patriots came back from like 28, 25 points or whatever it was to beat the Falcons. Was Steve Sarkeesian offensive coordinator of that team? Uh, that Falcon team? 
I don't know if he was with the Falcons then or if he was with Bama. 2016, I can't even remember. I think that I think he was the offensive coordinator of that Falcons team. Yeah. That was the year Matt Ryan won the uh MVP. I'm not 100 sure, but anyway, um Julio Jones to the Buccaneers. If you would have told me in that game when the Patriots came back by that amount, that 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 quarterback for the Patriots being Tom Brady and Julio Jones, who was probably the best receiver in that game, would have that and would in fact at some point play on the same team, I would have told you it was crazy. That has officially happened. So now you got Julio Jones on the books with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. What do you what do you think about that receiving core? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, just on paper, obviously, you know, that's a a crazy, you know top three receivers right there. Yeah. Um, but you just kind of wonder how are they going to work together? Because, I mean, when you think about it, it's, it's you know, if three, you know, all three of them are kind of similar, you know, in play style and, and, and stature. They're all, um, you know, out, Chris Godwin in, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, like Julio Mike Evans, but they're all, you know, like big guys, um, not really like, you know, shifty route runners who are going to create separation. They're big, you know, physical um receivers out there so you know you wonder who's gonna be in the slide who's gonna be on the outside um I mean I feel like the reason Julio left Tennessee last year was you know because of kind of his role and the amount of targets or lack of targets really that he was getting um but I mean his only competition in the receiving game over there was AJ Brown so um you got to wonder you know how that's gonna go over here when he's coming uh to a team who already has you know really establish their top two receiving threats. So, um, you know, clearly I guess he's in it to, you know, make a run at a ring because I don't think his role is going to get any bigger than it was in Tennessee. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what Tom Brady will do with him just off the simple fact that it's, you know, two Hall of Famers playing together. So um, you're going to see something out of him. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the, the public reaction a lot is exactly what you were saying about it's like how do these guys fit with each other? Because if if you're an offensive coordinator, who would you put in the slot of the three of those guys? Um, mm, that's tough because that's tough because these days you see a lot. You it's becoming more of a trend now to see those big guys in the slot because you can match them up on on linebackers who they'll be faster than, but then you know sometimes they'll be bigger than the safety. Yeah. Um, man, so that's tough, but I, I, I had to probably say, um, Godwin just cause he's probably the best route runner out of the three. Um, and I mean, Julio's been doing on the outside his whole career, just as well as, you know, Mike Evans. And like I said, those two big body guys out there. Um, so yeah, you put Godwin in that slot, you know, going up against nickelbacks and, and linebackers, you know, like I said, it'll be bigger than most nickelbacks. Um, you know, a slot corner is trying to guard him out there and will be faster than, you know, most linebackers trying to guard him. So that's probably where the best mismatch is in that slot for them. That's right, because I was like, I can't even see Mike Evans and I just don't even see him right. And Julio, yeah. maybe, but and but all this is really going to come down to can Julio stay healthy as well? Because, you know, we've yeah. seen the past couple of years, Julio has been hurt a little bit. And as he gets older, I think he's like 33 right now. But um, we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, Brady picked up that phone. He said, ain't no way in the world Julio Jones still not signed. So yeah. he the phone, he said, Julio, you ready to come? Julio said, yeah, and he got there. I, this is early on in training camp, almost like right beforehand too. So they'll hopefully be able to get these reps in, and we'll see what happens in that NFC. What's the NFC? Uh, what's that, the Bucks? I think it's the NFC South. 
NFC South. You're right, NFC South. Yeah. I think the East might be the uh, Eagles. Okay, keep, we're going to keep it moving here. Just quick announcement. I don't know if everybody else saw this. Joe Burrow did have to get his appendix removed. And so I think he's going to miss a couple weeks or so. Uh, Joe Joe's a tough cookie. I'm sure he'll recover and be ready to roll. It's just weird, like, after such an exciting year with the Cincinnati Bengals, it's like right before training camp. I know everybody in Cincinnati is probably packed out at training camp. You're here like, Bob Joe Burrow's not going to be here. Uh, when did yeah. you hear about that? You said when I first hear about it? Yeah, yeah. I just heard about it when when you sent me the, the topics for the show. Um, so that kind of, yeah, that caught me off guard. But, I mean, I, I figured it couldn't have been too serious, you know, if I hadn't heard about it yet. Because, you know, obviously if it was something – We'd be missing, you know, major time. I'm sure, you know, it'd be, you know, breaking news and, you know, you see it everywhere. Um, but yeah, hopefully it, it won't uh, you know, be be too big of an issue. I guess the the biggest issue you could take from it is just kind of looking at uh Joe's injury history. He does kind of always seem to be dealing with some kind of injury. Um, you know, even going back to, you know, his his days at LSU. Um, he never really missed, you know, significant time, but just, you know. You know how those little nicks, you know, those bangs and bruises, you know, add up over time. So I'd say that's probably the only thing that to keep an eye on for that is just, you know, um, you know, keeping that wear and tear down on them, which is, you know, clearly I think what the Bengals were trying to do by holding them out and, you know, not rushing them back. Yeah, so hopefully by the time he comes out, he can be ready to roll. You know, like he's been working with those receivers and stuff in the offseason, and they just had a run to the to the Super Bowl too. So they'll be ready to go. There was one other thing. This is what I was going to say, too. This just kind of shows you how the NFL goes, right? So you got all the Cincinnati Bengal fans who are really excited. A lot of them probably going out to training camp. I'm hearing they're finally building an indoor facility. The owners put money into it. You know, you have to trade pay Burrow. And there's the two probably, I would say they probably have two quarterbacks that are, like, in the backup slot. So you probably have, they probably have three guys into a training camp. Some teams have four, but I'm thinking three, right? So you have all these fans, all this excitement. And you hear Joe Burrow. Imagine being the backup quarterback. You hear Joe Burrow is out for two weeks or so with uh, getting his appendix removed and recovering from that. You're the guy. And it's like, I hope you studied. I, yeah. hope, I hope you're ready to roll because these fans are excited. The receiving core is nice. And now you're taking the first team reps. And even the backup yep. guy behind you, who might be a rookie coming out of some college or whatnot, and they're not obviously looking to get a top quarterback in the draft because you just got Joe Burrow not too long ago. He's your guy, and now you are the second team guy. So you're running with yeah. the news, and I so you maybe had maybe beforehand you thought you might do some drills, you know, just watch what goes on. You know, you're going, and you got to be ready to roll. So definitely did think about how the NFL is always about be ready to roll because you never know whenever your number will be called. So keep it moving because this is this is such a controversial topic. I ain't gonna say too much about it, but I have seen my boy D Watts been throwing some passes out there, um, out there in Cleveland. It seems like, and it's it's such an interesting time for him right now because anytime he posts something football related or the Cleveland Browns post something football, everybody's just kind of like, is he supposed to be doing that? <laughs> it's, 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 nobody want to say it. I'm gonna say it. It's like. Uh, <laughs> I noticed it because I've been seeing the comments on Twitter. I know I first see, I'm like, but see, I've been Deshaun Watson for a minute here. But mm-hmm. it's definitely like you see him post like the Lord and every other team and every other player is doing it. You're like, okay, there go that guy. He's like, he next up. And do what posted it. It's like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that quarterback room um, in that quarterback room though in Cleveland. They got Jacoby Brissett, who is, will be his backup. You got Dobbs, you got Deshaun Watson. And there's another guy, I'm pretty sure he came from the HBCU. 
I can't think of his name. I probably should have had his name, but this is a crowded quarterback room. And so we were just talking about in with what team we were just talking with with Cincinnati. Yeah, how Cincinnati. Yeah. How they might have like a couple of guys like that. Now this Cleveland quarterback room is full of guys. And we've luckily we've seen Jacoby Brissett back up Andrew Luck. So we know like he's a really good backup guy. And Dobbs is pretty good as well. So we'll see what happens. Did you end up finding the name of that guy? Uh, I don't see one from HBCU, but they say they got Josh Rosen. And Rosen's there. Yeah, so that's that's the four is is uh, D. White, Brissett, Dobbs, and then Josh Rosen. They might have brought the other guy in for minicamp. Yeah, probably probably that rookie camp. Yeah, that's a lot of quarterbacks. That's a lot of quarterbacks. That's you? yeah. Them them. I about seen them four veterans right there. I think all four of them got yeah got like three four years plus in the league. It's crazy. And since you brought up uh, Josh Rosen, who we all know went to UCLA, was like a top top 10 quarterback and just didn't pan out really well. Yeah. And they ended up bringing Kyler Murray the next year. Have to mention this real quick. Did you see the Kyler Murray contract? Yeah. The, yeah, you mean the, uh, the details of it? Five years, $230 million, But you got to do four, <laughs> four hours of independent study per game week. Yeah, that's wild. You, when you when you first saw that, what were your thoughts? Um, that's yeah, that I mean the, I mean the contract extension was expected, but the the um yeah the whole thing in there about you know the mandatory film study, just kind of makes you wonder like, you know what has he been doing this whole time up until then? Because I mean when you think about it, like four hours over the course of a whole week really ain't that much film study. When that's your when that's your whole job is just to you know practice, go home, study film, you know, repeat four weeks over over you know an entire week span really ain't that much. So for them to have to put that in there kind of makes you wonder what he's been doing up to this point, and it kind of makes you wonder like what made him give them the confidence to give him all that money, seeing those bad habits that he already has. So it's like y'all see you know he didn't really dedicate it off the field. Um, you know, to, to film study and stuff like that, and y'all gonna still trust them to, you know, give them this five year. How much was it? Five years, two hundred thirty. Yeah, two hundred thirty mil. Get this guy two hundred thirty mil. Um, you know, like I said, you know, you can't deny the talent on the field, but at some point, you know, that that off the field preparation, you know, meets the on the field performance. So, um, yeah, at some point, you know, that can come back to to bite them. Uh, so yeah, like I said, that that was interesting for me to see. Um, just on, on both ends of that. And to your point, Thomas, uh, thought it was crazy for a couple reasons. A, he's been this good without really watching film. That is insane in the NFL. That's one thing I thought of. Two, it was, I think this was crazy for the public to hear because we think of the Tom Brady's, we think of the Peyton Man's and how much film they watched to the point where they would say they, they, people would say they were obsessive. And it's like to hear that a quarterback in the National Football League doesn't study like that to the point they have to put in your contract. It's like, wait, what? This don't make sense. Yeah. Chris Carter used to say really well on first things first. He said there's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the world in the NFL. So to hear that one of these 32 is not really studying that much, and I and just being a fan, you have to wonder there. So whenever they play, because I was in Arizona, I just moved to Arizona whenever they were playing the Rams and the uh, First round of the playoffs was on a Monday night. And so Kyler yeah. Murray, who doesn't really – and it was a really bad performance for the uh, for the Cardinals. The Rams blew him out. If you have him not studying film like that, 
And then you got Jalen Ramsey, who's one of the best corners in the game. And he studies like he's a quarterback. You kind of start to look at that game a little bit different. Like, is this why – is it where the Cardinals and Kyler Murray and I'm not prepared? And I know the team is studying. I feel like I feel like Jay, you don't have the problem with J.J. White. He please study four hours and put it in context. Yeah. It's like, Kyler, are you as prepared as you could have been for that game? Because if you lose that game, you're actually prepared. You have a bad game. See, when Arizona don't like it, but, you know, have a bad game. But if it's like, wait, you didn't study? And then exactly. have, it brings a whole different thing. I want to know if his team's going to respond to it or not. It doesn't look like it. I probably wouldn't if I was them. I would just let them talk to them play. But maybe this is also a reason why it took them so long to get that contract done. Yeah. It's like, because they know, and the way we're seeing NFL, you know, they have those tablets. So they can see, like, they give you the tablet with the playbook. It's not like the old school thing. You know, you can write your own notes, but they got, yeah. they can look at screen time. And for them to see that, A, and who leaked it to? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it got to be somebody close to the situation for them, for them contract details to even get out. Yeah, and that's not really a thing that anybody probably wanted leaks. Unless yeah. I was doing a whole different thing I can think of. So that thought that was crazy. So and since we're talking about quarterbacks, I guess we can hit on about two more of them. Um we saw Jimmy G. Kyle Shanahan came out and said that uh the team has moved forward with Trey Lance and it looks like they're gonna probably look to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, yep. where do you think of Jimmy Garoppolo might land? Man, it's it's kind of tough now. Um you know, I, I feel like options were a lot more open before the draft. So I figured, you know, team, you know, they were trying to get a deal done before then. Um, but man, it's it's tough. Uh just cause I you know, I, I don't really look at too many teams and see a team where it's like he'll go and just take over and be the guy right then and there. Um, I know one of the teams I see people talking about uh could be the Steelers, but see, my thing with the Steelers is they they kind of already got a deep quarterback room with um you know Pickett and and uh, Mr. Trubisky. Um, so I mean, I I feel like you know signing Trubisky and and free agency that would kind of you know defeat the whole purpose of that you know signing Garoppolo. Um, I see the Browns you know as a potential team just because of you know we we still don't really know what um you know Deshaun's future is. Uh, you know, whether he's going to be suspended for a couple games the whole season, you know, whether he's going to be able to play the whole season. So, you know, they're always up there. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 tough. Um, I mean, clearly, though, since the 49ers have already made it known that, you know, they're moving on from him, I don't think they're going to be asking for too much. Because, um, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of hard to ask for a lot when it's like you've done told everybody, you know, we're just trying to get rid of this guy at this point. Um, so yeah, it is, I'm not sure where he might go, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just gets traded for, you know, a couple of draft picks or something and the 49ers don't even get a player in return. Cause I mean, really they got what they needed in Lance in that draft last year. So yeah, I'm not sure. And I am, and on another note, I'm very excited to see what Trey Lance does. And we heard all the talks about how in North Dakota State, they, they played a really pro-ready scheme and these guys really ready to go. And they don't let him sit for a year. And it's like, it's go time, big fella. So it's kind of more like yep. the home type situation. I'm excited to see what Trey Lance does, especially his mobility. They got weapons out there. Uh, the exciting time is San Francisco. It seems like as literally as soon as they lost that Super Bowl, they were ready to get Jimmy G out of there. Some fans, some fans love him and feel like this is the worst decision they could have made. 
but uh, they Kyle Shanahan told them they're moving forward and they're going to move in that direction. Uh, two more quarterbacks I want to talk about. I know y'all, like I said, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a lengthy show. Thanks for staying with us. I just knew it was a lot to talk about. Play this one two or three times. It'll give you some time. Uh, <laughs> I do want to ask you, and I'm going to save the Baker for last. So this is Miami, uh, Tua, Tua, and now they got, <laughs> and now they got Tyreek Hill. Were you expecting Tyreek Hill to end up in Miami with Tua? And I know you probably been seeing all the comments he's been saying about how accurate Tua has been as compared to Patrick Mahomes. So yeah. I'm asking, what's your reaction to um, Tyreek Hill to Miami? Um, it's uh. At the time, you know, it, it was a big move. Uh, I mean, I, it's still a big move now. But, you know, just after you done had time to kind of marinate on this stuff, you just wonder, you know, how is it going to work? Because, um, you know, we kind of thought that's, you know, what Waddle was there for, you know, to be that speed yeah. guy. I mean, you know, you can never really have too much speed. But um, I just feel like uh, Tyreek and Kansas City benefited a lot from Mahomes. And that just kind of uh, – you know, escapability he had and um uh I, I can't think of the word. Um but just how Mahomes would go off script so much. It improvising all the way improvising Mahomes would do. Feel like Tyreek really benefited from that. Um obviously two are in that same exact type of guy as Mahomes. Um, you know, we still he's you know a little mobile like Mahomes is. Um but just all of the different, you know, dynamic type throws he makes, you know, across his body, on the run, things like that, all the weird angles. I feel like Tyree really benefited from that. And, you know, of course, he you know has one of the strongest arms in the league, which has kind of been the knock on to is that, you know, his arm isn't that strong. You know, we know he's real accurate, but um, we pretty much seen, you know, a guy like Tyree Hill being a real big deep ball threat, you know, majority of his career. But, you know, he still has that, uh, you know, ability to, to to take a slant or take a hitch and, and you know, go all the way with it. Um, but I think I think it'll be a helpful tour. Just having um, a guy that, that dynamic that he can throw the ball to and get it in his hands. Um, but like I said, just, just off of like, you know, the um, the physical attributes, you know, it's not like Tyrese, a, a, a big target that he's going to be able to throw to. So like I said, it's, it's two speed guys he's got. Um, so, yeah, you, you just, you know, kind of wonder how that's going to go with them. I still think they need a, a you know, a, a real legit, I won't say Waddle or Tyreek on number ones, but like I said, I'm, I'm thinking more of the physical nature. He just needs, you know, real, you know, bigger target he can throw to. He does have a good tight end and uh, Mike Gusecki, but I still think you you always gonna need a, a a dominant, you know, outside receiver to be successful in the league. Yeah, and at this point, even if they went and got like a, a bigger guy, maybe even if he's a little bit older, but just that huge presence then you might have the guy that might not be as tall on the opposite side that you could put, I would assume out of the three, maybe you probably put Waddle in the us uh, in the slot. And so if you get you a big guy, you put Tyreek on the outside. I don't know, would you rather have Tyreek on the outside or would you rather uh, Waddle on the outside? Uh, whew. Yeah, see, that's that's tough right there. Um, I feel like, I know I did see Waddle get, get some reps on the outside this past season. Um, man, that's tough. I, I feel like that's like a pick your poison type situation because they're so similar. Um, I mean, maybe, oh God. I mean, we have seen a good bit of Tyreek on the outside, you know, when he was in Kansas City. Um, 
<laughs> that's tough, man. Ooh, that's tough. All right, if I, it's a toss up, but if I if I was the if I was the OC in Miami, I probably have I probably have water in the slot. I probably have water in the slot. Put Tyreek on the outside. That's what I was thinking. It seems like Tyreek has made such an implant on the league already. It's like, okay. He he was not saying Waddle has been like Tyreek. He we know exactly. Yeah, yeah. We yeah we know. Yeah, at this point we know he can survive and you know and you know make do on the outside. Like you said, Waddle's you know. He had a good rookie season last year, but you know he isn't as established yet. So, yeah, I, I feel like we got to see more out of. Yeah, so that should be interesting to watch y'all. And then last but not least, since we, we're gonna say, I guess we start the show and end the show talking about the Carolinas. Baker Mayfield, after all that time, I think a lot of people thought he was gonna end up in Seattle. He's essentially signed with the Panthers a little bit before training camp too. So, get the playbook, get get acclimated, get ready to roll. He's out there with Matt Rule and company. Uh, guys are pretty good supporting cast. Now, the offensive line is kind of sketchy, but you got Christian McCaffrey, you got Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and then another South Carolina guy, Shy Moore, out there. And your guy from uh, – and I know he's a defensive player. Your yeah, guy my boy, Bono. Mari. Who went to Westwood, correct? Yeah. Crazy. Westwood player coming to play in the, the Queen City, going to play for the Panthers. <laughs> what round did he go anyway, do you know? Uh – I think it was six. I don't think it was seven round. It, it was either six or seven, though. Y'all, he started off the year last year with a lot of expectations. And then literally first game against North Carolina, throwing around Sam Howell. I think one time he kind of jumped and scared Sam. Sam almost on the ball. All type of crazy stuff. But definitely wanted to get the Westwood grad a shout out. He, did he go to Juco route, by the way? Yeah, he went, he started off at uh, Butler, Butler Community College, then went to uh, Tech after that, Virginia Tech. Gotcha, gotcha. So definitely be on the lookout for him. This is kind of like the second time something like this has happened. Remember the guy from Spring Valley, Christian? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, hold on. You mean um, you talking about Christian Miller? Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah. Russian from Bristol School District too. Yeah. Ended up going and comes to plays for the Carolinas, but yeah. But anyway, so but back to this. I just had to give him that shout out. I had to. <laughs> shout out Russell too. I saw a tweet the other day. They said, "Y'all, I still remember my uh." Was your my ID number? They said, Yeah, that's dude's ID, man. That's locked in. I probably will never forget that. No, for sure. But uh, so Baker Mayfield has a good supporting cast as far as wide receivers. What you think happens with him in uh, Carolina? Mm, um, I mean, it's a it's a fresh start for him. You know, that's number one. But it, it's still a lot of pressure. Um. You know, I he, he you know he's done straight into a quarterback battle. You know, with with Sam Donald, um, so it's not like he's just you know gonna walk in and be the starter. So, I think really, I think that's gonna gonna kind of show us you know what type of time he's on this season. If if he comes out, um, you know, and, and wins that quarter battle and quarterback battle, and there's a starting quarterback heading into week one, um, you know, I think we could be in for a good season. Cause I mean, you know, Sam Donald's not a slouch. You know, it's not like he's going to be a, a easy guy to beat out, especially with Donald having one year in that system under his belt. Um, and, you know, he's been with the receivers for a year already, so they kind of got a chemistry built up. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think that quarterback battle kind of tell, you know, what what time he's on uh, this season. But he is coming off that, you know, he had that autumn shoulder problem last season. Um, so I, I think a lot of this is going to depend on if he's 100% healthy from that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's not like he's really getting an upgrade receiver-wise from what he had in Cleveland. 
Um, I mean, he still got a, a solid core, you know, with DJ Moore and, and my boy Terrence Marshall and them guys out there, Robbie Anderson. Um, but, I mean, you know, in Cleveland, you had Jarvis Landry, Odell, um, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it ain't like them guys are bums. But that's why I'm like, it ain't really, you know, not like he's just going from, you know, just a garbage offense to, you know, having a bunch of weapons. So, uh, yeah, like I said, maybe, maybe he just needed, you know, a fresh start with a new franchise. But, yeah, we're we going to see. I think the Carolinas, I think the Panthers, South Carolina, North Carolina, whatever have you, They'll appreciate that Baker, like that attitude he kind of brings with him. Yeah, the underdog mentality. Especially yeah. if they win. Once again, I'm pretty sure Sam Darnold was a highly titled prospect. So you got the one yep. going versus the highly titled prospect. It's going to be great to see. I think he's a good player to go to the Panthers. Um, Sam, uh, it's funny because Sam Darnold, you don't think he's mobile, but I think at one point in time he led quarterbacks with touchdowns last season or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it, yeah, it was a point in time where he was leading quarterbacks and uh, rushing <laughs> touchdowns. So Baker may not do as much of that, but Baker is definitely, I feel like, a leader, leader. I remember he first got to Cleveland, he was telling vets. Like, uh, or he went to interviews, like, if he doesn't like this, he won't be around here. And they're like, brother, you are a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't come, you can't come in saying stuff like that. But, yeah, man, so, Thomas, that's all I got. I think we covered all the bases for now. Y'all, like I said, training camp is underway. Uh, fall camp is getting ready for college football season. We know college football season starts on Labor Day. I'm sure the Hall of Fame game ain't but too far away from here. So, a lot of storylines going around the league. Did one as mentioned, I think for the Chiefs, McCoy, his name McCall Hartman. That's his name McCall. Yeah, I think this gives him a big time to step up. Yeah, for sure. And now with Tyreek being gone, it's kind of like, oh, like, all right, because they everybody always thought of him. He's a really good receiver. He just don't get as many touches. Yeah, no, nah, it's that time. You yeah. and Juju's out there in Kansas City. Yeah, right. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I feel like they ain't really got a. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Well, Kelsey out there, Kelsey is essentially, you know, your number one receiver. So I can't say they ain't got a number one target out there. But yeah, it's, it'll be a little more wide open since Tyree came in. Absolutely. So that's all we have for y'all this week. Probably take a break next week, be back the week after that. But y'all know, hey, hey, once it gets back to college football season, we are on a weekly basis. We don't skip weeks. Wait, yes, sir. They make days count. Thanks, Thomas, for coming on. I hit him up very last minute, y'all. He was happy to come on. Uh, Thomas, got anything else? Nah, man. Nah, glad to be back on. Glad, glad to hear you back on the air, man. I'm ready to hear these tapes. Hey, hey, hey. We back and rolling. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Matt Sports House. We are out. Peace. Calling all the steppers to the front. You ready for the show? Hey, it's on. We always number one when we get thumped. They ain't think Rick was coming home. Calling all the rages to the front. Get ready for the show. I'm always number one, I'm at the front. No one has to know. Go, step how you want me to step for you. Don't be no crash, dummy.